Deuteronomy 28. We've heard all the stipulations of the covenant. This is what you have to do if you're in the covenant. We've heard about a ceremony to apply it to their hearts as they come into the land. And now the blessings and the cursings. Well, we'll just do the blessings today. Many, many curses next week. So, chapter 28, starting in verse 1. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of the ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come against you one way, and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself, as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your room, in the fruit of your livestock, and in the fruit of your ground, within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give you the rate to give rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head, not the tail, and you shall only go up or be on top and not down, or below, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you don't turn aside from any of the words that I command you today, to the right hand or the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to this word and we see from the hand of our gracious God blessings upon blessings upon blessings. We're eager to dig in. We're eager to understand, O Lord. So please help us understand. Uh, please help the things that I say to be correct. Help them to be clear. Help us to understand and receive them, Lord. And, and may our vision of your blessing grow as a result of this. May our our impetus, may our drive to follow you and obey you, may it only grow as a result of this passage, may our love for you only grow as we hear these words of your covenant on this side of the new covenant in Jesus' blood. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. I will say to start as a northern boy, although almost a southern boy in a few years probably, uh, I've always liked how in the south you ladies say things like, have a blessed day. It always seemed to me like, what a nice sentiment to say something like that to somebody. Less so, bless your heart, but more, have a blessed day. Uh, but working through our passage this week, I found myself thinking, actually, I think this is a lot nicer thing to say than we may even realize. Because it's an amazing thing to be blessed. 
when a person's blessed by God, I kind of break it up into three things, is what you're really saying about them. It means when a person's blessed by God, they're favored by God. Uh, so that means they're receiving good things from God. And the end result is they're happy. They're happy because they have God's favor and good things from his hand, and then they're happy. And so have a blessed day is it's quite a nice thing to say to someone, uh, which actually brings us to our passage tonight, because tonight our passage is all about the blessings of the covenant. We're in that part of this covenant document, uh, and this passage is about the path to blessing, and it's about all the blessings that were available for God's people. So to keep things organized in our heads, I'll take this topic up through four questions. First, how do we get on the path of blessing? Second, what is the path to blessing? Third, what are the blessings on this path? And then fourth, how do these blessings apply to us today? I could say that again, but I'll say them again as we go. So question number one, okay, how do we get on this path to blessing? That's our first question. Well, to start, we have to acknowledge that we have a really serious problem as humans. Uh, no one's born on the path to blessing. And the reason for this stretches all the way back to the beginning, back to Pastor Trice's, it's, it's so wonderful that we're talking about blessing and cursing while we study the curses. In the beginning, Adam and Eve were created on the path of blessing. Right after God created man in his own image, the next words, Genesis 1.28, are, and God blessed them. That means Adam and Eve were born in God's favor. They have a whole earth full of wonderful gifts that he's given them. And they're happy. So they're blessed. Adam and Eve were blessed. But then you know the rest of the story. All that ended when Adam and Eve broke God's law. When they broke God's law, they fell not under blessing, but the opposite, the curse. Which means that they lost God's favor. Uh, the blessings that they didn't immediately lose, they got all twisted up and perverted, and they came to know a world of misery as a result. So as a result, human beings ever since have been born on a path of curse. And so looked at from a certain angle, it seems like the whole rest of the Old Testament is the story of how God got mankind back on the path of blessing. And the final answer, of course, that all of the dispensations leading up to it, are pointing at, the final answer is Jesus Christ. Since man was cursed for his disobedience, Jesus took that curse on himself, removed that curse. Since man needed perfect obedience, Jesus donated his own. And the point I'm making here in this first point, making sure we get this right from the start, is that the only way back on the path of blessing is through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. It's only by faith in Jesus that you can be restored to God's favor. Uh, only in Christ can you receive all of his gifts. And only in Christ can you be truly happy forever. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the way back to the path of blessing. Like Ephesians 1.3 says, it says, The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's how you get back on the path of blessing. It's the way in. It's through faith in Christ. It should come as no surprise to you. But we're putting first things first. Second question is, okay, so what is the path to blessing? So Jesus gets you on this path. What is the path to blessing? Well, fortunately, I think our passage gives us a pretty clear description. 
very clear description of this path of blessing. It actually forms the bookends to the whole section. Verses 1 and 2 and verses 13 and 14, they tell you, okay, well then how do I march toward this blessing? Well, uh, the path to blessing is pretty simple. Uh, We can boil it down to like our old hymn. It's trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Verse 1 says in Hebrew, if you shema, shema, the voice of the Lord, your God, which means if you listen, listen, or listen with the goal of obeying, really, then you'll be set on high, he says. So here's that call to trust and obey, call to listen to God with trust so that you can obey and and be blessed. Verse 1 says, being careful to do all his commandments, the Lord your God will set you on high. So it's another call to trust and obey. Obey because you can trust he's going to set you on high, and, but obey, really obey. Verse 2 repeats the same thing, except in the opposite order. It actually makes a chiasm for emphasis. Chiasm is re- saying something and then repeating it backwards to make an emphasis. And then on the other side of our passage, verses 13 and 14, they say the same thing as a closing book. And in case you missed it in the rest of the passage, it's there again. Verses 13 and 14 stress that blessing comes to those who trust God alone and obey his commandments. Or these are the people that are blessed, the people that trust God and obey. And Because yes, the path to blessing that the Bible gives to those who are in the covenant is trust and obedience. Now, uh, I have to say something about this because I read this wrong, totally wrong, for a very long time. And there are a lot of people that misunderstand the purpose of this blessing section. A lot of people see these if-then statements, if you do this, then you'll get this, and they think it's describing how a person gets on the path to blessing. Like, if you keep the covenant, then you'll be saved. Like, if, you're, if God's people obey the law, well, then they'll earn his favor, and they'll earn his happiness, and things like that. And I understand why this is, because... The law is at the forefront of Deuteronomy. The law is loudest in Deuteronomy, though grace is everywhere. And so people tend to think of this section, this is our sticker chart. Remember elementary school? You had a sticker chart or whatever other manipulative practice our teachers did to get us to behave finally. Uh, A sticker chart. Uh, These are the rewards if you obey this much. Some people see this as being what this is. So But according to this view, Deuteronomy 28 is like a, a mechanical blessings dispenser. It's just a restatement of the covenant of works to show you you just can't do it all on your own. On that reading, God's covenant relationship with his people is all law-centered. It's all about the law. Now, with all due respect to our friends, good friends who hold this view, I want to remind you this isn't true. I want you to remember who this section was given to. It was given to a people that God already revealed himself to, a people that God already saved, a people that God already took to himself in a covenant relationship, these are all words to people that are in the covenant, that are already good with God. It was only at that point that God gave the law to show his people how he wants them to live as his people. And I want you to remember that this whole blessing section still appears within a framework of grace. These blessings are promised to people already on the path. They're already in the covenant. Blessings, they're meant to show God's people, here are the benefits. Here are the wonderful things that happen as you live your life following the King of Kings. So, again, trusting and obeying is not the way onto the path of blessing. 
It's not the way back into the covenant. It's the path that's followed by those that already enjoy a covenant blessing with God. So think of it this way. Here's another way, maybe for the more poetic among you. I'm sure you know Psalm 23. Trusting and obeying is that everyday path that the good shepherd leads his people on. As we trust him, as we follow him, as we obey him, this is the path that leads by the green pastures, by the still waters. This is the path of righteousness that he leads us in for his name's sake. It's the the goodness and mercy that will follow us all the days of our life. Even as this says that these blessings will overtake you. It means they'll, they'll come upon you. You'll be going in the way and they'll just swallow you up. They'll find, it's actually a headhunter word. They'll, they'll hunt you down, these blessings. So know this, the path to blessing is still the path of trust and obedience. Or said another way, the people who are on the path to blessing are those who are always trusting and obeying. So that's first is just how do we get on this path? Only through Christ. How do we, what is this path? Well, we, we follow him. We trust and obey him as people that he's already saved. And then, get even better, what are the blessings on this path? This is kind of where you get to open the gifts and see what's there on Christmas morning, right? What, what are the blessings that are promised? Well, the good shepherd leads to all kinds of wonderful things, and that's what this section is meant to show God's people. You follow your good shepherd and look at all these wonderful things that you can have. What does trusting and obeying lead to? Well, I think it's helpful to take this in two pieces, because that's kind of how the language is set up. We'll get a little technical with the language. The first section is from verses 3 to 6. These blessings are set apart by anaphora, or the first word is repeated a lot. That's what all anaphora is. So Moses starts out every sentence with blessed are, blessed shall be, blessed, 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 because it gives this section a little extra punch. Blessed, 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 blessed. And another thing you'll notice about these blessings is that as I tried to group them together, they're, they're really personal blessings. Because verse 4, Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, the young of your flock. It's a promise to have lots of babies. Not just lots of babies, but good, healthy babies. It's a pretty personal promise. Verse 5 says, Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. It's not talking about a really good pampered chef party. It's talking about bowls and baskets will be filled with something. It's promising food. So lots of wonderful babies, lots of good food. What more could a man want in the ancient Near East, right? Then verse 3 promises blessing in the city, blessing in the field. That's a mirism, another technical term. Technical term that means uh, if you take everything on this side and you take everything on this side, well, it means everything. So the city and the field were just about the only two places that existed for these people. So it's, a, it's promising blessing everywhere. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the... You'll be blessed everywhere. And verse 6 is the same. It promises blessing coming and blessing going. It's another murism because most of the time, I, I would think, if you're moving, you're either coming or going. And so this is promising blessing all the time. All the time. So basically what we see from the first half of these blessings is we see these personal blessings. Trusting and obeying God leads to amazing blessings. Blessings everywhere. Blessings all the time. Moses just says it more beautifully than I'm saying it right now. 
Then you got the second section of blessings, that's verses 7 through 13. It's talking more about corporate blessings, talking about blessings for the whole country, the whole nation. And it's not using an aphra anymore, instead it's using a big chiasm. So by way of reminder, a chiasm is a literary structure where words and, and concepts are repeated in reverse order for emphasis. So if you were just to sort of chart it out, uh, the blessings follow an A, B, C, B, A structure. So A, B, C, B, A kind of structure. And the center of the chiasm, that C, is always the part that you want to emphasize. It's always like the point of the spear. It's always the really big deal thing. That's the C part. So the outer ring of the chiasm shows up on both sides of this section, verse 7 and verse 12. It's the outer ring. And uh, they're promising power. Power. So verse 7 promises military power. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated. So you'll beat your enemies. Military power. Verse 12, economic power. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Here's influence, financial influence. Verse 13, still on the other side, promises political power. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. You'll lead. You won't follow. You only go up and not down. You'll be, in Hebrew, you'll be above. You'll not be below. So the outer ring of the chiasm is promising national power and security. Then you come to the next ring, the next ring in, the B ring, we'll say. That's verse 8 and verse 11. It's promising national abundance. Verse 8 says, you'll have full barns. You'll have really productive work. You're watching here. I think you're all seeing from this morning. Here's the reverse of the curse from the fall for those that are in Christ. Verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing on you and your barns and in all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Then verse 8 on the other side promises good births and crops again, like in the first section. It's a repeat. And it starts with the words, the Lord will make you abound in prosperity. Verse 12, he promises rain. That's the root of all their growth. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, give the rain to you, your land in its season, bless all the work of your hands. And so that second ring of the chiasm uh, is promising great abundance. You've got national power, great abundance. And I'll say as a side note to the great abundance section, this would have been a big slap in Baal's face. The pagans all around were saying, well, Baal brings the rain, and Baal brings abundance, and this is saying, "Mm -mm, no. God brings the rain. God brings abundance, not Baal. Then you get to the center of the chiasm. You get to the center of the section. This is the one that's being pointed. This is is like the chief blessing of all in this section. Verse 9 and 10 says this, Yahweh will establish you as a people holy to himself. As he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in your ways... And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. And they'll be afraid of you, or in Hebrew, they'll revere you. So this is where the most important blessings are found. If you're a country, this is the center of the chiasm. And the most important blessing God could give to his people as a whole is to make them holy. Say, you're mine. You're different. Set apart. And it says he would put his name on them. That's ownership. You're my people. And he said he would honor them above all the peoples of the earth. And what's more, he would show his greatness through them. Through his grace given to them. Through his care for them. So all the people would see and all the people would revere. 
So the most important national blessing that could be given to God's people is they would be identified with him, honored with him, and then glorified, that he would be glorified through them. So by the end of this third section, it's pretty clear that the blessings that God promised his people are amazing blessings. Lots of kids, lots of livestock, lots of food, national power and security, national abundance, national honor, blessings everywhere, blessings all the time. When you go in, when you come out in the city, in the country, and you ask at the end of this section, when you apply this to an ancient Near Eastern person, you think, what more could they possibly want? This is everything. This is the whole kit and caboodle. God saying, I'm going to make it worth it to follow me. Give you every blessing you can think of. And that's our, our third point. Here are the great blessings that God promised his people if they would follow him, if they would trust him and obey him, they would have all these things. That leads us to our last, our last point, I think our most glorious point, because now we're coming to you. Although the first point of Christ is pretty glorious too. But the fourth, maybe we're a chiasm too. So how do these blessings apply to us today? I think that's a really big question with this section. Different people answer it different ways. I think at this point, though, we face a really big temptation as New Covenant believers. The temptation is to think, well, you know, these promises, they're just for Israel. These don't apply to us anymore in the New Covenant. And I have to say, I just don't think that's true. I want you to think with me for a second about the framework we've been seeing in Deuteronomy and see if we can superimpose that on us today. The framework is, well, God has saved a people. God has brought a people into covenant with himself. He's put them on a path of trust and obedience as his people that leads to real blessings and real benefits. And that's still our framework, brothers and sisters. It's just been deepened and it's been expanded by Christ in the new covenant. It hasn't been taken away from. He hasn't taken away any of our blessings. He's just expanded them in Christ. Then I bet some of you are still thinking, well, yeah, okay, that's, that may be, but it's not like we still get physical blessings like Deuteronomy's talking about anymore, do we? I mean, this is very physical blessings, and ours are only spiritual blessings. And, well, again, I would say I, I disagree. If that's how you've been thinking about it. That's how I always thought about it. It may be true that the physical blessings aren't as much in the forefront of the new covenant as they are here, but they're still there. I want to show that to you. The new covenant has only deepened and expanded these blessings in Christ. It's actually eclipsed these blessings. It hasn't taken them away. It's just eclipsed them. Because you think Proverbs still generally holds true in the new covenant. God's blessing still generally falls on things like hard work and listening to wise counsel and it's generally true in this world. And you look at passages like Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, 2 says, if you obey your parents, your authorities, things will still go well for you and you will live long in the land. It's generally true. There's the law applied in the new covenant to say, yeah, it still brings blessings if you follow God. But I don't think it's any clearer than in Matthew 6, 33. Jesus is telling us, don't worry. Don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you'll wear. He says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if you're walking this path of blessing, all these things will be added to you. Like, you shall not want, the good shepherd says. So when people say trust and obedience don't lead to physical blessing anymore, I can't agree. It's true it doesn't always lead to immediate physical blessing. There are extenuating circumstances like persecution, things like that. 
And sometimes the blessings of the new covenant do seem more immediately spiritual in nature. But listen, now that we're in Christ, now that God's agenda has exploded in the earth, and it's gone just from one national area to a whole worldwide kingdom agenda, we're gunning for a whole lot more than just livestock and national power. Because look at Matthew 5.2. This is my big proof. Matthew 5.2 is in many ways, I believe, it's the new covenant counterpart to our passage for tonight. You know, Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount is, is given to people. It's, it's explaining things to Christians. That's what it's doing. And it seems like Jesus is deliberately alluding to our passage. Remember the anaphora? Blessed shall you be. Blessed shall you be. Well, here Jesus says, Matthew 5, 2. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Remember, there might be a reason where you're not immediately blessed. Oh, yeah. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. I want you to see, Jesus is still calling his people to trust and obedience here. He hasn't said, yeah, you don't got to obey anymore. He's still calling you to the same thing. He calls his people to trust him that there's a great reversal coming. He's calling his people to trust him that he's going to come through for them. And everything, he just gave a bunch of promises. And then he calls his people to obey him. He says, blessed are those who mourn. He's calling you, mourn the evil and the suffering all around you. Uh, He said, blessed are the meek. Restrain your strength for other people's good. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He's saying, strive after righteousness. Strive after mercy. Strive after purity. Blessed are the peacemakers. Strive. Make peace wherever it's possible. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Endure persecution. He's telling you to do things. He's telling you to obey. Keep on the path. Keep following Christ. And not only does he call his people to trust and obey, but at the same time that he offers, he, he, promise, he tells you to trust and obey, at the same time he promises you these blessings of the new covenant. He promises you a kingdom and that you'll be comforted Uh, And then he promises you the entire earth. He promises you that you'll be satisfied. Uh, He promises that you'll receive mercy. He promises that you will see God. Not only that you'll see God, but that you'll be called by his name, that you'll be claimed by his love, Sounds a lot like Deuteronomy, like our chiasm, center of our chiasm. I think what we're seeing here in Matthew 5 is we're seeing the center of the chiasm on steroids. I don't know about you, but I read this and I still see physical blessing because you're given the whole earth. It's just bigger. New covenant believers are offered everything, let alone a mixing bowl and rain. You're offered everything, remade, perfected. I also see national promises. Remember the old national promises, but you're to receive a kingdom, an all-powerful forever kingdom. 
talk about being the head and not the tail, being above and not below. And at the core, I still see the chief blessings being holiness unto God for the glory of God, showing forth his glory. So brothers and sisters, it's not like old covenant blessings don't apply anymore in the new covenant. It's that these blessings have burst their containers in the new covenant in Christ. If anything, we're just aware of far greater blessings than our fathers were aware of, although one day we'll all share in them together. That's our fourth point. You have some amazing blessings coming. It's such a shame to me when people say, man, they had such great blessings in Deuteronomy, and we just get all this spiritual stuff. I go, no! Oh, you get everything in the new covenant. So, to start wrapping up, let me just start... Take a moment to start applying all of this. Like, okay, what do we do with this? Well, what do we do with a blessing section? Well, first, I think it just depends on whether you're a Christian or not. If you're not a Christian yet, then the clear message of this passage is you should want to be one. Because Jesus has made a path of blessings available to you. You can get on that path. You can be in the covenant. A path to blessings that are far greater than you've ever imagined, greater than anything on this earth that is currently dissatisfying you, Blessings of God's love, God's care, blessings of eternal life and an eternal kingdom and every good blessing beside. That's what you stand to gain if you come to Christ, really and truly. And on the flip side of that, there are real consequences for everyone not on this path. Because if you haven't come to Jesus yet, you're still under his curse. And we'll read about that next week in depth. And all that awaits you if you're not on the path to blessing in Christ is all that awaits you is God's anger. It's the exact opposite of a blessing. God's anger, the withdrawal of all his blessings, and eternal misery. So please come to Christ. That's the only application that matters to anyone who finds themselves outside of Christ tonight. Come to Christ. Let him take your curse. Come to Jesus. Let him give you his perfect obedience. He wants to do it. He's the only way that you can ever hope to get on any path of blessing is in Christ. That's our closing application if you're not a Christian yet. Now I've got a closing application for if you are a Christian. Just two things. First, if you're a Christian, you say, well, what do I do? I see all these blessings. What do I do with this? Well, first, you just praise him. You just praise him. You go, whoa, I had no idea. You all these things. Praise him. Uh, because this is how it works with God. First, he benedicts you. And then you doxologize him. Put a different way. First, he pronounces words of blessing over you, and you sit back as a re passive recipient of this, and you go, wow. And you bless his name right back. You bless the Father who is loves to bless his people. You bless the Son who secured every blessing. You bless the Spirit who keeps you in the path, keeps you in the means of grace. We praise God from whom all blessings flow. That's your first big takeaway. Bless him. And then second, you know this is coming. Second application is you trust him and you obey him. I think it's pretty common for Christians today to think, well, you know, I've been saved by grace, so it really doesn't matter if I obey or not. And I hope you can see from this passage that's just so wrong. Your obedience doesn't merit you salvation, doesn't earn you forgiveness, it doesn't anything like that, but because... But trust and obedience are still the path to God's fullest blessing. Or said another way, those who are blessed of God 
there are people that really do trust him and they really are obeying him. Albeit imperfectly, but really. It's always been true. God hasn't changed his ways. It's always been this way. It's just that now the way back to the path is clearer in Christ. And now the greatness of the blessings are clearer in Christ. So if Christ has delivered you by faith, if he's brought you into a new covenant by his blood, he would have you do the same thing he exhorted his people to do all the way back in Deuteronomy 28. He would still say to you, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. It's like the old hymn says, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen. Let's pray. Hmm. Our Father, we bless your name. So many blessings have you poured out. From the greater to the lesser, Lord, so many blessings have you poured out. Blessings that we can't even begin to comprehend that we'll inherit with all the saints. We are so thankful. Thank you, Lord. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, we pray for any here tonight who are not in Christ, that they would run to you, dear Christ, take away their curse, give you their obedience, to give them your obedience, Lord, and then for the rest of us, O oh Lord, we pray that these blessings would, would have their desired effect here in this covenant document, that they would draw our hearts to want to trust you more. This God who has done such great things for us, we want to trust you more. That it would draw our hearts to want to obey you more. If there's things, Lord, we're holding back from, from obeying you. If there are things, Lord, that we're uh, not willing to obey you in, Lord, that, that these blessings, you would woo our hearts to follow you with renewed obedience. So we pray, O oh Lord, that you would, you would do all this in us. Woo us by your blessings, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.